Hello and welcome to Creative Spaces. I'm Molly Cooper and this is the London Edition. In our first ever mini-season, we'll be featuring the best spaces to stay, work and play around the city, from timeless icons to under-the-radar finds. And as well as sitting down with the teams who brought them to life, I'll be bringing you the inside scoop from some pretty amazing people getting up to some pretty great things within travel, design and hospitality. I'm so excited to share all their stories with you, so let's get into it, shall we? Today I'm in Covent Garden at the 8th Rave The Store. This travelling pop-up concept showcases the best emerging products in the wellness space. From beauty and skincare to innovative food and drink, it is a veritable treasure chest for conscious consumers. And I'm delighted to welcome its founder, Nicole, to the podcast, who has personally launched eight different rave stores, which I can't wait to hear all about. Nicole, welcome to Creative Spaces. How are you doing today? Thanks so much for having me. Not at all. Very well. On this beautiful London blue sky morning. And it's such a pleasure to be here with you in Seven Dials in the heart of London. Yeah, a store set up. The store is set up and it's a beautiful store and we're going to hear all about it in a minute. But I'd love to start with you and your background and hear how you've ended up here at the helm of Ray the Store. Yeah, it all started just over two years ago now in June 2021, where... I felt the need to create a space where we could showcase new emerging food, drink, wellness and beauty products, Um, mostly because I found a lot of brands through social media, but I did not want to pay shipping fees or multi-pack buy um, a drink that I never tried. So I was like, why can we not bring together all these like-minded, very new early stage brands Mm -hmm. into one space? and people can come in, browse and shop the shelves. I love that. And it's such an interesting shift because everything seems to be going online, online. And you've actually said, no, I want it back in person. I want to go and have a look and see these products. And it's such a tactile shop, actually, which I know we'll talk all about. But let's talk about that then. So you had this idea. And how did you go from, like me, sitting in your bedroom, having an idea (laughs) and actually bringing it to life in such an amazing way? What was that process like? It's been a long process. Um, I started thinking about a rough kind of concept probably over six years ago now. Mm -hmm. Um, And it started off with with an idea where we would have one permanent location. We would bring in brands um, to take over the space, host events, bring their products to life and invite people to come and have an experience. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously then COVID hit, so that was all a bit postponed. And it got me thinking more and more about the support that actually the smaller brands need. Mm. Um, Because obviously doing marketing in like a physical retail space, it comes with a cost. Um, So having a permanent spot, inviting one brand at a time would just put a lot of pressure on one specific company, which also would mean that we would only be able to work with the more established brands. Um, And then... Yeah, I kind of like pivoted to why not do a multi-brand store, invite the new new ones. So sometimes we've got brands that are like weeks old um, and sometimes brands that are slightly older, but they have launched new SKUs and new flavors or a new range. Um, so yeah, it's been kind of a, a journey from having an idea to chatting to people, 
to then hosting a supper club with a few industry people to introduce the idea that I had. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from that point, I decided to go part-time in my job, take three weeks off to run a first pop-up. And then from that moment, it was kind of like, okay, there is something going here. Mm-hmm. Let's see see where it takes me. Um, so that made me resign from my job and jump in the deep for real. Oh my gosh, I love it. She's a hustler. <laughs> <laughs> and then talking of all these amazing brands, I'd love to know how you go around and find them. And maybe you could shout out some of your faves over the years that you've worked with and how those relationships came about. Yeah, sure. Um, so at the very early stage, it was me reaching out to brands that I found on Instagram. Uh. Um, literally like sending them a DM asking them to um, jump on a call so I could share more about my vision because at that point I've I had not done a store so it was kind of me trying to explain what it is that I wanted to achieve for them Um, and that was all done like outside of my full-time job at that point so I had to ask like can you pick up the phone at 6 p.m because that's when I finished my job Um, but I think everyone I was speaking to they had gone through it themselves in mm. terms of having to start somewhere yeah. while you're still in a, in a job so everyone was very flexible yeah. um but that kind of started off with the likes of um bald bean co oh, yeah. um, mm-hmm. so yeah she was part of amelia was part of the first pop-up that we hosted um but also brands like um loa beer it's like oh, a low alcoholic mm, beer. Yeah. Um, who else have we had? Well, we've worked with over 450 brands. Which is amazing. Today. And actually, I came to your um, sort of launch event a few weeks ago and I was talking to one of the brands who was here and they were showing me through all through their products. And they said, yeah, it's their first time ever being in a physical shop. It's their first time really being stocked anywhere except like a few online places. And that's such a cool mm-hmm. milestone for them as a brand. And like, what an amazing opportunity for you to be able to help companies and brands get off the ground and reach that first significant milestone yeah and I think it is there's so much value in connecting with consumers in real life as well so mm-hmm. when we have a store open we try to get every brand founder or team member to come in um, spend a couple hours with us on the shop floor um, to either do sampling sessions or some brands they do a bit more of like a demo and they mm. invite people to come and have like a mini facial or earlier this week we had a brand do haircuts oh, so love it. <laughs> um it's very diverse but it does allow especially early stage brands to understand how consumers engage with the mm. products what questions they ask yeah how they could potentially tweak their packaging to yeah. communicate the product better um so yeah there's a lot of value in that physical in-person conversation feedback yeah it's so yeah. important you just don't get it if you're sat at home selling through shopify and like not really getting your feedback. Yeah. yeah exactly well then let's talk about the stores themselves because they are beautifully designed for people listening or watching as you might well see these very clean white walls lovely plywood fittings that beautiful green at the back of the shop and it's like lovely typography so i think you were telling me earlier it started with like the design the concept and that really sort of influenced how you approach each shop so i'd love to hear about all of that yeah so when i just started out in terms of um kind of visualizing the concept um i felt the need to just work with people that have a background in design yeah um so 
in the very early days, I um, engaged two German designers, Lisa and Charlie, mm-hmm. um, and they came up with the identity for Ray in terms of, um, it started with me sharing my vision of doing multiple pop-ups, always having different brands. Um, one of the key elements that I had in mind is to make sure that our stores are unique mm-hmm. every time we set them up and fit in with the local area as well as the season. So the way they translated that in the design is that when we don't have a store open, we are um, black and white. And then when we open a store, we um, choose a color and a specific font that again fits in with the local area and the seasonality. The kind of like stripped back minimalistic setup is very much done because we want to keep the focus on the products mm. um, so the products sit sit on their own on the shelves and they have um, each of them have a information card that shares uh, the story behind the brands and then the price points and social mm. media website um, are listed on there as well so from a consumer point of view it's a clean setup to easy easily browse the shelves mm. and understand each brand in a bit more detail yeah i love that and you know i was having a conversation with a guy recently who designed this reading room and he called it his um analog instagram because he basically got loads of magazines and loads of like you know vogue from like the 80s Mm um and i'm kind of getting that feel here even the square shells it's almost like you took your instagram feed and put it in these like little squares (laughs) here but you can come and see it and touch it pick it up and look at it sniff the testers um, you've got your horror soaps, which are my literal favorite thing <laughs> ever. And you can sniff them all. And it's just like a real world analog Instagram is exactly like what's coming to mind for me. And I love that. Yeah, that's definitely like sometimes when we set up a store, especially in the early days, people would come in and be a bit confused as in like, are we almost like a gallery setup? Yeah. Is it like a show- showcase? Yeah. Can we actually purchase the items? So we had to kind of like tweak the, the approach to make sure that people do understand it's a shoppable environment mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so you've got your you've got your concept for the shop. You've decided it's going to be dark forest green for Covent Garden in autumn. How do you actually take an empty you know shop front, which I imagine is pretty bare when you get it, white walls, wooden floor? Like, how do you actually go about building it out? Are you allowed to drill things into the wall? Do you hand build everything? Can you paint? Or like, what does that look like? Amazing question. Um, so we work with, well, we start, start off with um, connecting with landlords. Mm-hmm. So we work with landlords directly in terms of finding locations. Yeah. Um, at the start, when we just came out of lockdown, this was much easier, mm. given the fact that there were a lot of vacant units yeah. at that point. Um, at this stage, two years later, it is a bit more challenging. Mm-hmm. Um, because we're quite particular in where we want the shops to be, that by being either an office-heavy area or um, a residential area. Mm-hmm. And when we do find locations, um, depending on who you work with from like a landlord point of view, there are different requirements that come, come into play. Um, sometimes, as you mentioned, we are not allowed to drill into walls, mm. so we need to be creative in how we can set up the shelves and uh, once we do find spots um, we go in we kind of measure 
like look at the space where are the sockets fitted are there any like weird corners that we mm. need to keep in mind um, and then we have an interior designer who helps set up the space in terms of um, how much shelf space we need where we put center tables um, one of the key things that we've been doing over the past five stores yeah. is build build in our fridges and freezers uh, yeah mm-hmm. essentially because they're not very nice looking on their own mm. and from a landlord point of view there's been the requirement to make the store look like it's permanent uh, even though it's only short term oh, that's interesting isn't it yeah mm. so there's there's definitely a few requirements and steps yeah. to go through and approval processes to make sure that um the landlord is happy mm-hmm. and also at the end we can give it back in the state that we received yeah. it in um but it is quite usually quite tight turnaround like we tend to sign off a store anywhere between six to four weeks before opening whoa that's quick so yeah it's a very tight turnaround but the majority of the actual store fit out happens off-site mm-hmm. and then um a contracting team brings it in ah, okay. and puts it all together in like less than a day wow um yeah so it's it's full-on yeah. but we do well we also do tend to repurpose materials that mm-hmm. we that we have bespoke built for previous stores by um having a different tabletop at the same base and yeah. you know like small changes that it still feels different and unique but also also being conscious about the fact that pop-ups can be wasteful because if it's always bespoke and not yeah. reusing and you use a lot of materials yeah. that go to waste afterwards gosh there's two things i want to dig into there one of that is this whole the landlord wants it to look permanent do you think this is reflective of this like bigger trend a lot of shops are closing a lot of high streets are struggling um there's a lot of empty units and do you think landlords want to keep this appearance up of like their units are full and if so like what does that say about this sort of wider high street issue facing england at the moment i think it comes down to the kind of um the scene that a landlord wants to set because obviously most areas are looked after by a bigger group of um, like a real estate agent Mm -hmm. and therefore they want to give the people that travel to an area a great experience yeah so they like to make sure that it fits in with the overall aesthetic of Mm. um, the estate okay so that's kind of where the requirements come Mm -hmm. in but sometimes it's specific, sometimes yeah. um, they trust you in what you do. Yeah, no, exactly. And is there a reason why you pick sort of, are they a month usually? Why did you go for a month? Is it long enough to sort of create a bit of traction or was there another reason behind it? So the first store was only 10 days. Oh, quick. As a, yeah. Yeah, a, a kind of like test store, yeah. I tend to look at it. So um, that was great. Like we had two weekends but it also showed it's quite tight for people to actually make it down physically. So um, we then started playing around with, okay, let's do a four-week pop-up. Yeah, We've done six weeks in the past as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a mix of kind of the execution and the running of the stores, yeah. which obviously comes with a cost. And then also um, creating that fear of missing out, Yeah, where we usually have five weekends in a four-week pop up um because they run for about 30 
132 days mm -hmm. and it feels like a sweet spot in terms of we start communicating prior to the store opening and then there's a big push from all the brands involved yeah um who also cross like promotes mm. being on the shelves yeah and then we also work with a pr agency to create a buzz around the store opening by hosting a mm -hmm. press event um and having people come in for visits yeah. and guided tours um so four weeks is short yeah but it it can be very effective mm -hmm. if it's planned out and structured definitely no i really love it it gives it this sort of you have to get down there it's, even when i got your email through i was like oh gosh like it's gonna go like i need to get down there. <laughs> otherwise you know you're like oh i'll go next week i'll go next week you just keep pulling it off don't yeah. you yeah i think it's so clever and then the other thing i really want to talk about was this whole sustainability piece because like you say pop-ups can be incredibly wasteful people buy like big vinyls big this big that how have you approached it from a obviously it's a wellness sort of space I guess it was like a key thing when you were designing the first few stores. Yeah, it's being conscious about materials. Um, again, like repurposing, like we, we have certain signage that we um, reapply vinyls to. So mm -hmm. we still, we use the base um, over and over again, yeah. but we just give it a different touch by yeah. adding a different color or sometimes a shelf, we would paint it in the color related uh, nice. specific yeah. store. Mm -hmm or we have a center table that we might paint in a specific color. Yeah. So it's small touches, but keeping the base mm -hmm. the same and reusable in different locations, different shapes of units mm. that we take as well. Yeah, no, and it's so important, isn't it? And you've done such a good job. Everything looks incredibly fresh and new, but like you say, very stripped back, very simple really letting the products sing as soon as you walk in it's this like lovely big window at the front of the shop light flooding in these lovely shelves and just products all in beautiful packaging i have to say all of these brands i don't know who's doing your branding <laughs> but they're crushing it just you know look out at you from the shelves candles there's some cereal and oat milk behind you you get down to the back to the boozy stuff yeah it's a real like i said in the intro like a treasure chest it feels like you just want to go and have a little browse around, browse around. yeah i yeah. who have you found your main shoppers is it london people who come to every single one is it people wandering by and they get sucked in or um it's a bit of a mix yeah. like obviously when we choose a location um we tend to pick a kind of high footfall area mm. um generally because london is london and there's a lot of tourists yeah. visiting um there are people from around the world visiting the, the pop-ups mm. we do see um people coming to the different locations oh, that we open yeah. where we have customers come in and they they would tell us about a product that they discovered in uh, a pop-up that we did early in the year yeah. and then um they come back for a visit when we host events we also tend to have quite a strong community as yeah. in same same people coming back to uh, attend panels or taste and review sessions that we host just because they love that discovery yeah, piece yeah um and same goes with kind of more your your journalists um mm -hmm. who do see that there's always new products new brands on the shelves mm -hmm. so it does bring them back for that reason yeah 
no matter what what area we're in. Mm-hmm. And I love that, that you've got a real, like, kind of loyal... You've got your locals who come and yeah. follow you and support you, but then you also have people who might take a product back to, like, you know, it could be the other side of the world. Mm-hmm. And, like, maybe that, that brand would never have got there without this little store sending, mm-hmm. sending things out. So I think it's amazing. And I'd love to know, what is next? I mean, coming up, what does the next chapter of Ray the Store look like? Amazing question. I feel like I'm now at a point where we've hosted eight stores we've worked with over 450 brands across the two and a bit years um the pop-ups are amazing we definitely want to continue doing them there's Mm -hmm. a lot of interest purely because brands do see the value in Mm. being in a physical space um for both learnings and consumer kind of connections um but there is a lot that we would like to add in terms of a support service for the brands that we work with, um, such as connecting ourselves with agencies and freelancers that can support them throughout their journey. Because essentially a brand goes through similar stages Mm. um, and have similar challenges that they face. So we try to build a network of support Mm. around what we do. Maybe in the future there might be a permanent spot. Oh, we'll we'll see where we feel like we might fit yeah. fit in best from a location point of view. Um, online is something that we're trying to figure out. Oh, we love it because mm-hmm. we're at this point we do discovery boxes. So what we oh. try to almost replicate from what you experience in store by that discovery element mm. that we send a box of kind of a curated unique selection yeah. of products to people's home um so that's something we do online at the moment but that's only when we have a store mm-hmm. open okay so we're trying to figure out how we can translate the yeah. in-store experience to um an online love it. experience as well. well that's so fun so then even when people don't live nearby or they're not passing through or they miss that two-week window <laughs> they can still get there get there exactly hit. yeah yeah oh well it sounds like such an exciting time ahead i love this community it feels like you're really building of brands and people who want to shop more consciously and support independent producers i think it's amazing um, and I will definitely be coming to your next one. Oh, so please you can put do. me on the list. <laughs> um, before we do go, I have a quick closing tradition. Um, imagine you've just won the lottery, cash that winning check. So money's of no object. And then I'm going to ask you three questions and you let me know what space comes to mind for you. Okay. Number one, where do you like to run away to to disconnect and to detox? Ooh, somewhere on a beach, sunny. Oh, <laughs> it might be because autumn's here, but I'm really yeah. craving a beach. Yeah. Any favourite spots in the world, or? Um, I feel like I haven't travelled enough. Mm. Um, I'm very like head down with everything yeah. that's going on here, and I am in that mindset of like I will get to that point mm. where I can travel more. Yeah. Um, but there's definitely like spots around the world I would love to love to see, like Bali Ooh. or. Australia love um, it mostly because it's all like foodie places as well yeah exactly (laughs) oh they really do they do it different down under don't they Mm. um next one slightly different maybe you have more time for this your ultimate birthday party where are you hosting it wow um I think I would just want to host it in a very nice villa setting with a swimming Mm. pool yeah fly my friends in from around the world stunning (laughs) Um, and just bring bring people together and have a nice time i love that do you have any favorite countries or 
anywhere with an amazing view yeah. I think makes a villa doesn't it yeah gorgeous and then last one you kind of just touched on this actually your once in a lifetime bucket list trip where are you going and are you staying anywhere special I'll probably ask my friends for recommendations. Love that. Crowdsource your bucket list. Yeah, yeah. I love I love it when people tell me like this is what you should do or this is what yeah. you should visit because they have had a great experience. Mm. Um but again I think it's somewhere in nature, which is kind of opposite from what we have in London. Yeah. Uh, but I love that kind of escape um mm. to the countryside or somewhere yeah just around like in the forest and yeah. very remote no social media no emails kind of no switching off moments yeah. yeah look at the stars breathe in the air gorgeous definitely oh well i hope you get your your nature retreat sometime <laughs> soon i feel like you might need it with all these pop-ups but thank you so much for chatting with me today it's been such a pleasure and thank you best of luck with ray the stores in its future i'll see you again soon and another store thank you <laughs> Thank you, Nicole, for coming to share the story behind Ray the Store. It was so inspirational to see all those amazing brands that you've created and to hear about bringing this space and community to life. And thank you to everyone who tuned into this episode. I really hope you enjoyed the conversation and do keep your eye open for the next Ray the Store when it pops up near you. As ever, if you did enjoy the conversation, please make my day by leaving a little review. There are so many things I would love to do with Creative Spaces this year, and that just helps make all of it possible. You can also head to our website for loads more content and also some inspiration for your next trip away. So go get planning your next vacation and I'll see you next time for more of the London edition.